Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, it's another hoops adjacent episode of the Athletic MBA Show. David Aldridge, nice day here in DC. Was out in the Valley in Cali. What's up, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. I, I, I like the little rhyme scheme. There right you go, there, boy. <laughs> DA in, his, in his drive time uh, disc jockey from the '70s vibe right now. <laughs> All right, it's me and Melvin Lindsay. Right, right, right. <laughs> The inventor of the quiet storm, the late, great Melvin Lindsay. So uh, props to Melvin Lindsay. Um, hey, uh, we will have Chris Weber on in just a few minutes. Really excited about this, having C. Webb back. It's been, I think, about a year since he was on. Obviously, we want to talk to him about the maize and blue and the run and everything that's going on in Michigan. Um, want to do something real quick, though, because I was annoyed last night. Well, I was very annoyed. I watched Michigan. I watched UConn and Baylor in the, in the Women's Elite Eight, and it was a great game. Just a great, great game. Everything that, that you could have hoped for, Baylor should have been a one seed. They weren't a two seed. That should have been a Final Four game. But it wasn't so much about the game, which was great. Um, it was about the ending and what everybody saw at the ending um, with what was pretty obviously a foul. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, like, I'm not even arguing whether it was a foul or not. Yeah, it was a foul. I, I There was clearly two, you know, the two – UConn players, both of them hit her. It's a foul. I mean, I'm not arguing that. What I'm arguing is people doing what people always do, which is crying about one call <laughs> at the end of a game as if that one call decided the game. <laughs> you know, and it just annoys me when you try to push back on that and say, well, wait, because Renee Montgomery, the fabulous Renee Montgomery, put this out. She put a tweet out, which I liked, which said, you know, first of all, one call doesn't decide the game. Referees put their whistle away in the last minute. Everybody knows this. You're not going to get a call. And, you know, you can't worry about one play if you by ignoring a dozen other plays that happened before. And so I got into it with a couple of people on Twitter, you know, and it just annoys me because it's, it's just so selective. <laughs> right. It's so selective. It pisses me off that people just get so selective in their fandom that they that they can just center on one play and say, that's why we lost the game because the referees made a mistake. What happened to that 19-0 run in the third quarter? What, did that have anything to do with the outcome <laughs> yeah. of the game? <laughs> y'all had the game in control, and all of a sudden y'all let UConn rip right. off 19 straight? Did that have anything to do with the outcome of the right. game? <laughs> right. You know? It's, it just kills it's, me. There's so much that goes into, especially, you know, in these big moments, like this is an Elite Eight game. And in yeah. those last minutes, it's tense. There's so much happening that has an effect on the outcome, whether it be rotation, whether it be a missed shot or two or three. It's yeah. so much that goes into how these outcomes, you know, bear themselves out. Because, look, man, these, these are the most highest leverage possessions of the game, you know? Right. And it's not just going to be that last one where you might've got hit on your arm or you might've got nudged off of your spot or you, you know, and maybe it was a foul, but so much more goes into it and not just what's happening on the ball either. This stuff, there's That's people right. missing help rotations. There's people <laughs> missing all kinds of things. There's people not setting a good enough screen. So much goes exactly. into this stuff. Um, that affects the outcome. It's just, you know, it's just our typical lazy culture about, well, that's the thing that I saw, you know, and it's, it's stuck it in my mind. So that's everything. It's, it's, right. it's ridiculous. It just, it just, it just kills me because, you know, that's like, was that the only, 
was that the only call the referees missed all night? You know what I mean? Like, come on, <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous, you know? And so, and plus, you don't even know what would have happened if they had called it. Y'all are just assuming that Dijonay Carrington's just going to step up there and knock two free throws down with a trip to the floor on a racket. <laughs> well, hey, come on now. <laughs> come on, I seen dudes that, I seen dudes that shoot 93% gax exactly. in the last minute. Of course. <laughs> with, with the and college players specifically. Exactly. Are known. Exactly. It's like, you know... Even a chip shot, like in college football, there's right, no such right. thing as a chip shot in a big no. spot with a kicker. And college basketball players, both men and women, when they get to that free throw line, Dude. in the biggest spots of the game, <laughs> they're exactly. going to miss. <laughs> gonna exactly. Miss. Ain't no certainty. You no, know what I'm saying? Ain't no all. certainty. Not and there's no... All. And there's no, and you don't know, even if she makes the free throws, you don't know, you kind of come down and page Becker's just a 30 footer at the gun. You don't know. How right. do you know? Right. <laughs> you know? And she again, as we out. always say, DA, this is what makes sports what it is, is that we're having that argument. Like, yeah, you guys are going to come out and start complaining about one missed foul call. Well, me and DA are going to want to talk about the rest of the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And that'll be our fun little sports argument. Exactly, exactly. So we're gonna have C Webb on in a minute. I want to talk to him. there's so much wise. Is that I, I definitely want to talk to him about Georgia. I want to talk to him about you know about his his businesses. I want to talk to him about Michigan getting having a chance to go to the four. Um, so we will have C Webb back here in just a minute. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is on the Athletic Podcast Network. Turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs. And- like the most in his bracket, I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than that. David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he got their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship money that can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. Hoops and Jason. Welcome to Hoops Five, Hoops and Jason. Four. We have ignition. Hey, we're back on Hoops Adjacent. Um, man, so so happy to see my man Chris Webber. Webb, it's been too long, man. It's been too long. Good to see you, man. We miss you. Uh, miss you out at the games in the studio. But, I know. Miss uh, you definitely too, love the work at the athletic and everything. So congratulations with everything. Okay, so I w- we were just talking about this before we went on. So when when I was at TNT, our buddy Alvin Whitney, he has a, a great charity and he runs in honor of his late brother. They get scholarships for young people. Has an event every year, has an auction and a banquet every year that his wife, Pam Oliver, who everybody knows, um, does, does it with him. And they have guests every year and they bring people in. So I did it for like five or six years because, you know, Alvin's good people and I love doing stuff for him. And that's the, and, and I had to bring, I had to bring Waz. I, we, our son was like two at the time. <laughs> we wow. had to bring him because I was getting an award. And uh-huh. my son just fell in love with C-Web, man. He just wanted to <laughs> hang out with C-Web all night. That's his boy. <laughs> that's awesome. All night. And they, I just told him next week, my son's going to be 17. It's unbelievable. My, my boy, he got sideburns now and a mustache. It's, it's crazy. It's web. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. How's everything going, man? Oh um, man, everything's going great. Speaking of kids, man, I have twins. You know, they're oh, four, and, yeah. uh, or they'll be four at the end of uh, April, and so 
you know, I'm just, uh, this has been crazy times. Uh, but my parents, they'll be married 50 years, and, oh, you know, wow. end of July. And, yeah. You know, no, I haven't lost anyone during this time. So my thing is, during this crazy time, I've just been so grateful, you know, and, and you have to balance that. You don't want to feel bad as if it's bloating or anything. I just mean, I just yeah. feel grateful everybody's here, yeah. you know, that I'm getting to, to talk to you and be like, damn, this is 17. How old am I getting? You know, so <laughs> it's just really good to appreciate things in life, uh, like your son getting that much older and yeah. me looking from afar. So, man, everything's been good and, uh, you know, just can't wait, hopefully, things to get back to some type of a, a new normal that's closer to the old normal. I hope so, man. There's not go. Well, you're not gonna have no normal for a few days because I. No. We're taping this on Tuesday, and on Tuesday <laughs> night, the maize and blue are going for the four again. <laughs> All right, so I gotta ask you: Do you watch by yourself because you just cuss and throw shit at the screen, or do you want to have family around you to keep you sane? <laughs> So I'm not going to watch it with my kids around because, you know, I'm still fronting in front of them. Like, you know, <laughs> watch, uh, we watch, uh, you know, cartoons and they're talking about like, uh, if you get mad and you start to roar, uh, take a deep breath and count to four. You know, like <laughs> they're going to be watching me. You right, know, right, right. Bad word in my house, you know. So uh, I'm going to watch it in a different room so they don't keep going, ooh, daddy, ooh, I don't, I don't want to that side of me, yeah. so I'm gonna watch it by myself. Good, that's probably the way to go. <laughs> so, Webb, when when Jawan got the gig, obviously you were one of the people because you're a public face and figure. I remember you going on a broadcast and talking about your excitement for it because you know everybody knows how close you and Jawan Howard are. Um, you know, what's it been like for you to just watch him, you know, like, cause it's crazy, right? Like w what you guys meant to that university, what you guys meant to the sport of college basketball. And now to see him go back to Michigan and, you know, help them restore the program to glory in a different capacity. It's, it's gotta be just amazing for you. It is. I mean, I lobbied for him to get the job. It's satisfactory, satisfying to me because he went there, all those great things, right? But two reasons why it's really satisfying. One, because I know he really wants it. He wants to live on State Street the rest of his life. Yeah. And he's going to do a great job with young men. You know, he, mm -hmm. you know, by all accounts, shouldn't be alive, you know, from his yeah. childhood. So he's going to really be able to relate to young men and be honest. And then secondly, as his friend, I just love him for the naysayers. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong. You don't have to have played basketball to know the game better than anyone. You don't have to have played basketball to have an opinion. But playing basketball doesn't mean that you don't know how to coach like others. Right. You know, it's also a negative narrative. And I think all things are equal. And people didn't think Juwan was going to do this. And uh, I'm, I'm happy because I thought he was going to do it. I just didn't know he was going to do it this quick. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that because, you know, the other day Indiana hired Mike Woodson. And it's, it's pretty much the same story. Woody played at IU. He loves IU. He'll die IU. <laughs> and they hired him. Now, he's a little older than Juwan. But to me, it was crazy to see people get online and talk about, well, he, you know, this is a terrible hire and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... He hasn't even been introduced yet. <laughs> like, how can you reduce it? How can you make a judgment off of somebody who literally doesn't have the job yet? Why don't we let him coach for a couple of years and see if he can do it or not? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. It's like the Biden thing to me. I'm, I got to see his cabinet before I just criticize right. his diversity yeah. yet. Yeah. Because to me, the only question is, who does he hire to be his recruiter or That's to it? be second? 
That's, That's it. it. Because <laughs> nobody else that knows X's and O's better. Right. I mean, you know, we, we even saw that from, I, I forgot the team that Michigan beat, uh, and he was uh, he coached Juwan in Washington. Um, oh, Leonard Hamilton, uh, um, Florida yeah, State. Yeah. You know, he knows the game. Right. That, team is good and they shouldn't even have been as good as they were in the past so yeah. it didn't surprise me oh that's what Leonard Hamilton's doing he's a great coach yeah so right I, I agree with you we gotta let him do his job yeah and you know people always want the experience whenever they keep certain type of people out of jobs they they mention the experience excuse and Juwan spent how many years um as an assistant with the heat and I'm sorry <laughs> there's probably no organization that has a better reputation on that side of things than the Miami Heat and that's where he comes his teeth that so you know just the idea that he wouldn't have the experience and the know-how just technically that 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 never you know must had could cut any mustard for me and you know it's it's dope to see him kill it for all of those reasons c-web that you mentioned but yeah like the types of people who are often deprived from the opportunities we know why um so you know to to watch him kill it like this is it's it's extra special yeah and it's easier not to give him a job because of quote privilege you know, so the fact that he's had a great NBA life, the fact he did this, mm. it's easier to bash him for not an opportunity and say, give it to someone else. Yeah. But I, I love Pat Riley. I mean, I may have had three conversations with, in my life with him in two hours, just like, oh, my God, when he was talking about the road to a championship in the path. Like, I, I love that. And, and for Juwan to be under that tree, to play with greats. You know, mm-hmm. now he can start his own tree. And I think that's some sometimes what we don't realize in social equity. It's 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 bringing people in that can do the job. So it's right. no question about that. But also after that, it's their responsibility to make sure they hire a diverse staff. And it was so funny when Jawan hired the staff, I just sat back and I was like, I wonder what people are going to criticize now because they don't understand that he knows <laughs> the game and he wants to around him so it's fun watching man. right he got the recruiter he got the old white guy he got everything and he's close with all of them right man. right right on the coach for all of them too right a great crazy person so it all works man, man <laughs> it all works. web i gotta ask you man i didn't i'm you know just researching you know getting ready for this i i, I must admit i did not know this please tell me about this because I was listening to you do the podcast with Q Rich and with Darius Miles the other day. It was a great podcast. Knuckleheads, you should definitely download it. It's a good podcast. They do a good job. I did not know the shorts came from Illinois. I didn't know that. That's from Marcus Liberty and them? I didn't know that. If you realize at the time, it was from UNLV and Illinois. Okay. But being a Big Ten, so um, UNLV had wide, long shorts. Right. Not really too long, because at the time, it still was fashionable to see the tights up under. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So but Illinois, that team with all six-footers, yeah. and maybe it looked dramatic because they were all the same size, but it came down into like an angle and was deep. Yeah. And um, for me, those are the shorts, yeah, man. That, that team, okay. UNLV is my favorite team of all time, but that, and then 89 Michigan, but that 89 <laughs> Illinois team, that's one of my favorites of all time. And that's, you know, you know what's so dope about that? Because obviously, you know, you guys are seen as defining an era of college basketball, right? Like th- just the Fab Five movement, just what it represented um, as far as 
you know, because let's face it, I watched the Mike Dock and he was bumping Kenny Lattimore, right? <laughs> like, we're talking about Chris Webber, who's made beats for Nas. You know, like, you guys were the first ones to usher in the quote-unquote hip-hop generation. So I feel like a lot of people do have that level of reverence for you. And it's crazy, too, DA. I watched um, Kevin Garnett on Knuckleheads. Yeah. And the way that uh, he talked about Chris Webber... Like how he idolized C Web, how he he just he patented a lot of his like some of the scowling. He was like C Web wouldn't just go lay the ball up. He would dunk <laughs> it really hard and mean yeah. mug cats. Like the the way cats talk about C Web, it, it's 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 amazing. I, I got quite emotional because I didn't know that KG was such a like he loves C Web. Like that's one yeah. of his his, he patented his game after you. So it was like it's it's kind of dope to just see all of this stuff happening. Right now with like, yeah, uh, Jawan Howard, Chris Webber, these guys are in their mid-40s, still impacting the game, still yeah. relevant. It's it's just dope to watch, man. And you know, it's funny. So it's an honor for KG to say that because my favorite basketball player is KG. Wow. Especially when he played. Yeah. And so much so, you know, I heard he wanted to go to Michigan, heard all the stories. Uh, yeah. Chicago, you know, Jawan went to CBS. I knew about KG, but so much so. I, I, let me tell you how much he was my favorite player. That I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk to him. We never said one word after our first game. I was like, "Oh no, we're not. We're never talking again." You know, I like you, but I'm never working out with you or nothing. <laughs> right, remember, right, right. I remember I retired, and the first time I saw him, I was like, "What's up?" And we exchanged numbers, and after that, it was gone. I knew he was. I was like, "No, we competitors. I know you too well." Right. It's an honor that um, it's an honor that we get that love. But I will tell you one quick story. Michael Jordan, right? We go to the Olympics. We beat them. We do beat the Olympic team. Yes. But go into this room. I go into this room. I'm a Jordan fan. You know, I, I remember this like yesterday. Why? Wow. I'm in his room and I'm looking around and he had a big earring in. I'm just checking him out. He had his shirt off and he was bumping Jodas. He's bumping him and talking. And I was like, he the man. He's like, <laughs> Oh man! So that I, I know you've told that story a million times about beating the dream team, but y'all did beat the dream team. And I just want when the clock hits zero zero zero, did y'all just look at each other and go, "Fuck! <laughs> what did we just do?" <laughs> yeah, we didn't even. It wasn't even almost. It was about winning, but more so than winning. I'm telling you, I was in the huddle. Tears in my eyes. I mean, I know Grant since I was little. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bobby Hurley. We played on the same team. Right. Um, so I had known. I had known these guys, and so I'm like, this is our dream. Like I know you know Stockton, and you compared to him, Bobby Hurley. Yeah. You know, GA. I know. I mean, you know, uh, Grant. I know you want to be Jordan. And so when we when it was over, I was more so thinking like, wow, I dunked on Barkey, or <laughs> Kenny was like, wow, I crossed over Magic. So it was. So much going on. I can't say we were thinking about the win. Everybody was in their own head. Right. Like, we won, but what did I do against my hero? That's right. what it comes back to at the end. That was the moment I'll never forget. Oh, man. I just, that's the one I wish, I, I wish we had tape of that one. That's the one I wish we had to, had the bootleg tapes of, man. But Waz, yeah. Waz mentioned something that I, that I think is so underrated from your era, and that is the greatness of the Western Conference forward group. Was every year when you had to pick the all star team, it was ridiculous. You would just, <laughs> I'd crazy. sit there for hours. 
I'd sit there for hours. I like I could never put Rashid on. I wanted to put Rashid on yeah, like every crazy. year, and I couldn't get him on. Like, who am I taking off? Am I taking crazy. Dirk off? Right. I can't take Weber off. I can't take KG off. Just Tim like, Duncan. It I can't take Tim Duncan ridiculous. off. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. And I just wonder, like, Webb, like the nightly competition, like, what did it do for you in terms of making you a better competitor, a better player? And how do you think your play made them better players and competitors? It made me a better person, yeah. You know, the sports you practice and you, you know, being calm, being focused, you try to take those things to business or make it a habit to that's your personality. And so, you know, you could never get up to up. You know, like you said, you know, really it could be a week of, you know, Shaq, David Robinson, um, Tim Duncan, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Dirk, and you got physical guys like Brian Grant and them if you, right. you want to. But those guys, into, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just always something. So it just made you, you know, be prepared, and it really was satisfying at the end of the year if you know your team had the best record, or if you know you accomplished some great things, even if it wasn't a championship. But yeah, man, those those were those were some. You know, you have to be you have to be on your game every night. Then. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. You know, what's, what's interesting C-Web, when I listen to you on the broadcast, I think, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, if what when I'm listening to a broadcast, I'm there for the enthusiasm, meaning, like, these people get as geeked about basketball as I do, and I think you're one of those people who clearly, clearly still gets geeked about watching hoop, like, watching people kill it. So, you know, I think about your game, and... Even at the time, people were like, this guy is a futuristic big man, right? <laughs> like, the handle, the passing. You did take your, your game out to 19 feet. And you could post smaller guys up. Like, you had so many tricks in your bag. I know for a fact that right now you would have been a center. They would have made you play center in today's... Do you ever watch the game? Do you ever watch the Jokic's, the other type of, you know, highly skilled big man and think, man, I wish I could have transported myself to right now because... <laughs> I feel like you would have been even crazier because they would have spread it out and you would have just got to operate within so much more space and um, display your skill level. Do you ever geek out and think, man, I would have, I would have crushed these guys <laughs> if they gave me the chance you know to. What? I, I, no, I, I think more like, you know, my generation was the last of whatever that first generation was. So, right. you know, if it wasn't for no KG, a seven-footer that could guard one through whatever, there'd be no after Cooper. Right. You know, and, and it started with, you know, Don Nelson, others that started playing that that type yeah, of game. Right, so right. I, I do think I'm the last of that generation, the first of this generation, however you want to put it. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, you would be able to do a lot more. That's why I wish in Sacramento that was our whole style and maybe we would be known 
specifically for that. But I, I'm just a fan because I love where the game is going, you know. And I'm out of the fact that, you know, I'm not bitter that we didn't win the championship or I'm not trying to prove anything every day. And I'd much rather, you know, the fan appreciate the game like I appreciate it instead of from a, a position of, you know, not being grateful or not understanding or always being down. I was a big fan of John Madden. And it always seemed like if you missed the tackle on Bo Jackson, he didn't say, you know, Hey, Lawrence Taylor can't even tackle Bo Jackson. He was, <laughs> you know what? That's how good Bo Jackson is. <laughs> so hopefully I bring that aspect to the game, hold guys accountable. But, yeah, today's game, especially with no shot blockers, oh, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> this, this, this is what I always – this is why I, I – I always sound like the old man in the club. I understand that. I appreciate that. <laughs> but it's like, I always say this about, like I say this about Jordan and people all, you know, people are like, well, Jordan, well, today, bah, he only shot 29% or threes. And I always say this, as great as Michael Jordan was, do you think he wouldn't have gotten the three in his think, bag if he needed he it? Figured it? You know out. what I mean? Like, I think he would have figured out how to make threes. Come on, though. <laughs> in DC, I shot forty percent from the three point line. I brought yeah. buzz out there. Yeah, we lost the playoffs by one game or one by one game. Yeah, I got criticized for not being on the block enough. I go to Sacramento, I get criticized for not being outside enough. And so I just, I'm, I'm lucky to have played in a place that had a system and great players. And, yeah, you know, if you look at Golden State, they're running Sacramento plays, and yes. that's not because of me. That's because of the great coach Carrillo and others. Yes, so yes, our yes. style of game is here. I see it a lot. I just appreciate it more than I try to get credit for it. But just just know, I like to have my Sacramento team playing today, too. But I will say this. I would love today. I would I would destroy. I would eat up. But in college, I only feared, like, one guy. Mm-hmm. And his name was Glenn Robinson. I had never seen anything <laughs> like that. Before. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like Durant. I wouldn't want to play today only because... They can move him to center and I have to guard. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> my best right. I'm a chill with all that. Right. I put them on the post, I get them in there. They'd have to double, but right. oh man, crossover, my oh, I just got the knees. I don't even know. <laughs> so that's a that's a beautiful that's a beautiful segue into this season. Um obviously, you know, KD hasn't played in a minute. Uh, we see what's going on with the Lakers and all of their injury stuff. Um, you know, we want to get you on record to 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 pick a team who you think right now is like, all right, I think in, come June, July, this is going to be the team that's most serious. Are you defending champion Lakers? Are you Clippers going to redeem themselves? Are you enamored of all of the talent in Brooklyn? So it's only one caveat, and that's health. But everybody could get hurt. But LeBron being hurt, that, that that worries me because high ankle injuries, in my opinion, are just as bad as knee injuries mm. um, at the, during that time. But I'll say this. The key to the championship was bought out of his contract, and his name was Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond is the key to the championship. He is the key. He is the key. He breaks all barriers. He He makes things uneven. He can score in the post, and he doesn't even need the ball to score. And defensively, he's much better than we give him credit for. I, I would make him have the impact of a Rodman, a better scoring Rodman. That, that's how I put it. He can't guard laterally out there like the Magics and all that. The Rodman guard, but Rodman couldn't guard the Patrick Ewings and those guys either. He can stay inside. His impact to me 
push the Lakers as a front runner, and I and I believe I picked Brooklyn before the year started. Mm. But the Lakers Lakers didn't have DeAndre Jordan. He's gonna just I mean not DeAndre Jordan, I'm sorry, Drummond. He's gonna change the game. So yeah, I'm I'm on record saying the Lakers, if if LeBron's healthy, Drummond did that. I, I just I <clears throat> Webb, I agree with you on on Andre. I think, you know, and I've seen him initiate from the elbows. I mean, he can do that. You don't need him to do it, but he right. can do it if you needed him to do it. You know what I mean? So, um, and defensive, I mean, again, this gets back to the whole rebounding thing and I just don't understand. I'm too, I'm getting old. I'm getting crotchety. You don't, don't understand, understand how a guy that's averaging 15 rebounds a game just, can get bought out of his deal. It's just available. <laughs> a guy that gets 15 rebounds a game, you can just have him now, like for nothing. <laughs> like, just, Remember how great Capella was? When he played with Harden. Yeah. So let's really think about this. The only thing that made him great was that he's a really good player, but he could block shots, rebound. But the biggest thing we take away from the three point shot is the new game. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But you get more three point shots with the big that can roll to the oop and you throw it up. Right. Period. That's why Harden is his best. If Harden has six layups in a game, his team will win and then he'll have 50 points. Because yeah. if he's making layups, the floor opens up and spreads. Right, so right. all I'm saying is every player will get wide open threes now because two are going to have to go to Drummond because right. he's going to have 20 points on eight shots at the end of the game because <laughs> all he did was go up and dunk. Right. And right. so that's yeah. the one part people get lost in. You want more threes? Have a big fella roll. Even think about the big fellas at Golden State. Just just even think about um, uh, uh, Draymond. How does he pump you out? Right. On the, the pick and roll. One alley Now... Yeah. The rest of the shooters right. are open. That's it, why yeah. he's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Spolstra, he invented the term vertical spacing. He was like, look, when you got a guy that can go up and grab it at the hoop, it sucks the defense in and allows for more space on the outside. That's basically what C-Webb is describing. Like, if And the Lakers were missing that this season. They didn't have yeah. a sort of vertical threat at the big man spot. I mean, I love Marcus Saul as much as anybody, but he's not Earth catching bound. no alley oops. And, e- and <laughs> even and even um, you know, uh Montrez, who again, I'm I'm a fan of Montrez's game, but he's not a vertical threat. Uh yeah. Drummond absolutely pre- presents that. And you Drummond know, is I, twice of Montrez. That's right. all I'm saying. No disrespect to Montrez. Mm. I can't believe he's doing this at six six. Right. I'm just drum and he gotta be able to run. Drummond can run with Porzingis and yeah. If your team style is to let them off the hook and keep shooting those threes out there, thank you. We'll take that all day. You exactly. know what I'm saying? He's an impact guy. He's a connector, man, because he doesn't need the ball. He makes up for your mistakes. I, I like him, man. I like yeah. him. Yeah, yeah and, like he, him. and in the past, he probably got miscast as some kind of, like, you know, low post, like he's going to be Hakeem Olajuwon type of situation. And, you know, that's that's not his game. I think, and, and you know, I, I think another thing that people need to just realize, man, Le- LeBron's ability to raise a guy's floor to be like, now this is like the bare minimum he's going to do out there because mm-hmm. of the way he's going to be set up, what he's going to be asked to do, you know, the burden is just going to be so much less. It's, it's exciting. I want to see what they, I want to see what they do when they finally get all their guys back for sure. DA. Yeah, no question. No question. And then you mentioned Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's going to be, I mean, I, I don't see anybody beating Brooklyn. I don't think Philly can beat them. I just don't, <laughs> I don't think they can. Maybe they can. I don't think they can. Um, just too much firepower. And, and, you know, now that they're getting, you know, Claxton has given them a minimum defense. No, I mean, like championship defense, just minimum defense. <laughs> they just need like to get like four stops a quarter and they're good. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. If it's Brooklyn, LA, I think that will be a great final. 
just a killer final. Well, and and some people are saying, and and I don't, not that I agree with them, but you know, there's people that are talking talking about the Milwaukee thing of like, look, they got the Drew Holiday defender, they got, you know, Giannis can do a credible job one on one against KD, and Chris Middleton has always been a quality guy. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great, but <laughs> how are they going to score as much as Brooklyn in a given series? It just doesn't feel like anybody's got the firepower out east to do it. Just don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how you keep them from, from a buck 20 every night. I don't know how you do it. When they're fully functional, when they're the fully operational Death Star, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Man. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Yeah, Webb, I want to Webb, I want to talk to you about about the class you're teaching at Morehouse though. I'm really excited. I was really excited to see that and I just wanted to ask you how that came about and and what you want to introduce to the young men down there, what you know that you're teaching online. Thanks, DA. Well, believe it or not, no, uh, I taught the class about six years ago at Wake Forest University. Okay. And so I already uh, kind of taught this. And, and it's just about uh, studying protest. And, and really our goals in the class are to make sure I'm the conduit between the older generations, such as my mentors like Dr. Harry Edwards, uh, John Carlos, and others, all the way to the Kaepernicks and LeBron and the wonderful things they're doing today. So this study and protest, uh, we talk about uh, everything. Was uh, what, were, what was the goal? What were the conditions at the time? Was the cause righteous? Um, what were uh, the actions uh, to speak up to those causes? Were those causes uh, lasting? What was the sacrifices? Would you do it again? You know, when we talk specifically about basketball, um, when, when you talk about fair trade and we study fair trade, what is fair trade? Um, well, it's so funny that a man in basketball named Spencer Haywood addressed that issue mm-hmm. uh, through Harvard and the four-year rule. And so through that, wasn't just, oh, do college players get out earlier? No, it, it was a fair trade law. <laughs> so when you talk about that, $30 billion, just in basketball only, not in football and other sports that this has gone to, yeah. um, $30 billion, that impact we've seen monetarily just in in sports. So we just try to make sure that we understand, wow, do you see what the LeBrons and the Kaepernick, because what LeBron has done, just let me say, is I, I admire him off the court. And there's not many people that I can say that, that about. And so what I've seen LeBron do there is, is awesome. 
But because of the tools and the times there, you can't say it's better than what Kareem had when he didn't have social media or that Kareem's uh, move of letting Spencer Haywood on the court, that impact, the ripple effect. So, you you know, we can judge the ripple effect. And that's just what I want to hold students accountable. But it's just a study and an appreciation and protest. Webb, I would love to know um, sort of how long you've been into these things, right? Because let's face it, not everybody... Life is so hectic, like in in the rat race of American capitalism, a lot of your life is just based on getting your bills paid. Not everybody has the time to do the sort of um, academic work that it takes to understand our history, um, specifically when it comes to the black experience here in America. I just would love to know how you found yourself getting into this so much so to the point where you now want to teach people about it, you know, young people and let them understand the history of stuff and how we want to move forward within this place. Well, I just thank God. I, I believe in God and, uh, you know, I thank him for my family. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that, you know, would just be discussions in our discussions in wow, our household. Wow. You know, I spent there yesterday crying watching uh, oh. George Floyd's uh, right. murder all over again. And so, you know, I have children. I want them to appreciate those that came before them. I want to make sure the narrative is one of continuance, you know, in our community our community is one where we appreciate our elders, and I want to make sure that's within this history. To be able to work with someone like Morehouse is just an honor because they bring validity to what I do, and students can study there, and so you know, and, and, and earn credits for this class. And so, for me, it's just kind of the way I was raised, and I look at it as a wonderful opportunity to make my part to tell more about, to be a storyteller, and to make sure that you know, that there's a different context as well to what they've heard. And so, um, and I really appreciate my, the relationships I have with the generation before and now. So it's just been a journey and one that uh, came as an opportunity. It was never a goal. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully I'm a good steward with it. You have been in, in that space for so long, Chris. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not new to you, you know. Um, and, uh, and along those lines, I just wonder, like, you know, what are you, your thoughts on all this voter suppression stuff that we're seeing in Georgia and in other, other states? And where can athletes be the most effective as advocates against that sort of thing? You know, because this isn't really, I mean, it would be great to think that, that you could lead a boycott of Delta and Coca-Cola, but it's probably not very realistic. You know, like it's just hard. That would be very hard to pull off. Um, so where, where, what's the space that they can operate in that would be effective? You know, it's first of all, locally and, and specifically uh, to their listeners uh, on social media because they have a, a wide reach and to inspire someone to do something. They can inspire maybe someone more powerful and passionate than them. Yeah. I think we supported, supported causes as the NBA. I think we put ourselves in a position. We've supported causes that when you really think about it and not to be emotional in any way or speak about any race, any type of people, I don't mean any specific cause, Yeah. but this is the most pressing cause. Yeah. Well, how yeah. could we move, you know, put pressure on other municipalities to, you know, not have events, to do this, to do that, for things less than this, which could affect all those events we were trying to affect positively anyway. This is the line in the sand. And so I think each individual can do what they can, but but DA, I really think, yeah, it is is a crime to give water to people in line. Do you know that some of 
So now what you're doing is saying that if you're older, elderly, and you wait in line for two to three hours, we can't give you water. Yeah. Like, just think about the implications. Think about the implications of different communities where kids would come out, and because the church came out and voted in droves, this is a way to support this kid with cookies and more. They're taking inspiration away. Not yeah. just vote, everything. And so this one's this one's on the big corporations. Like, there's no more supporting, you know, this guy and then saying, hey, we're over here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a new day. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how we remain in this situation. You know, you know what, guys? I'm going to be um, uncharacteristically optimistic. Like, oh, Lord, <laughs> this is a first. <laughs> this. I, I, I think about this kind of thing. I honestly think the attention that this is having, and, and I do truly believe in the ingenuity of, of black people, is I, like the history has just borne itself out. Like, you try to put a little gate in front of us, we're going to freaking figure out a way to you know, yeah. go up under that gate, right? And right, so I, right. I think the attention that this thing has got, I think people are going to be on their jobs and you're going to see some very creative ways to so get was. people to water and the grub and all of that. I think this is happening. Yeah, but it has to hurry up, though, because there are people going to jail in the meantime and all it takes right. is one election. Yeah, you know, yeah. you think about it, it was they stopped, they, they went and said, why did black people vote so much? They could do it from not coming in. <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to change that. Mm -hmm. um, no more chairs or sitting here and no more water. We're going to change that. You know, I was speaking to Stacey Abrams, who's just a superhero. Yeah. And, and she was just saying how this is the most Jim Crow of Jim Crow things that you could do. This isn't Jim Crow 2.0. This is the beginning of Jim yeah. Crow. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm inspired as well. Uh, the spark has, you know, has, has been lit. I think people but, are very, very you know, excited. Um, it's about four years. You, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... it's it's, it's, and they're doing it in front of our face, and we can't get used to it. We, right. we can't normalize this. This is this is the most racist. We, we can't normalize this because it's not sexy and it's voting. We have to right. understand that there is nothing worse you could do to a community besides not letting them have a say in what goes on. There is nothing worse. That means you can keep killing unarmed black people because you don't have a say. It right. means you can keep institutional racism because these corporations can keep coming in the community because you don't have a say. It's the only say you have. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, but there, there's a war going on. Yeah. 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 And Facts. I, and it, it's, and that's why I think it, it's going to require so much of a larger response mm -hmm. on, on the point, on the part. And I'm not trying to put pressure on LeBron or anybody, but this is when you need someone of that magnitude to say, I'm not going to do business in a state that does this. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not doing it. And, and I, we've done it for less. We've done it yeah. for less. Yeah. You know, we, we've done it for causes that we've had to vote to even make those people recognizable. Yeah, right. So now we can't vote, which means we can no longer change. You're right, DA. That, yeah. That's what I'm... I'm, I wish it was a house on fire mentality with with with, with everything because I'm I'm really I'm really worried about this because once this works one time that means other other cities are going to be bold yeah, enough exactly oh yeah no they'll replicate this you know it's two hundred bills out there you know what I mean so anyway I don't want to end on a on a on a note like on a downer note no we can't uh, end on that because <laughs> no because I definitely I because I, I mentioned this earlier C Web um. We know that you you made the beat for Nas's "Surviving the Times," which is a great song, by the way. Um, <laughs> that, like it's not just that C Web did the beat; like the song is amazing. Can you tell us the story about how that came together? So it was uh, 
I was blessed to do two songs. Shout out to Shalom Rennie. One is uh, Blunt Ashes, and he was having a conversation with my father, like about old times and what went on. My father's from the South, and it was a conversation like the one we just had. Yeah. And so from that, Nas was like, can you believe Patty McDaniels won an Oscar and couldn't go to the Grammys? You know, it was right. all the stories of great old Hollywood. So that, that was real cool to be a part of. But the first movie I ever remember seeing in the movie theater was The Wiz. I went to a small church school. <laughs> and um, in that part, you know, when Nipsey uh, Russell, you know, goes to E.T., it was just my favorite part. And uh, <laughs> I happened to be in the studio when he was working on his greatest hits album and Salam Remy, who's one of the greatest ever producers in, in the world, you know, um, was there with me. And I heard his song and it was just talking about his career and his life looking back. And one thing I always told now is that our career mirrors each other. Like we came out at the same time, we had success, you know, and, uh, you know, I just, whenever I listened to him, I heard it is my life. And so um, right then, just able to go make that beat. And I thought the words, you know, and the sample, you know, uh, were appropriate. And so um, I definitely turn that on in the car once in a while and listen to it and, uh, <laughs> and, and say thanks for being able to, you know, to be able to have it. And shout out to him because he just won a Grammy this year, long that's time. Right, that's to, right. It's awesome to be a part of that. I was, I, when I watched it, I was stunned. I was like, wait, not, they ain't yeah. never give Nas a Grammy. Yes, <laughs> I was yes. like, what? That's not possible, is it? Not even for a song, not for what? an album, not any, the collaboration, nothing. nothing. You just... I was stunned when I saw that. I just said, I don't know. It shows you what I don't know. Well, man, this has been great. This has been so, so great, man. It's so good to see you, but man, I love what you're doing, man. There will be, there will be a time where I will call you and say congratulations. And that's all I'm going to say. So... <laughs> so, thank you so much. Today. Of, of and, uh, course. I really miss you, man, out there, but it's good to know you're still part of the game, and uh, thank you guys for having me on. Man, we appreciate you coming on, C-Web. Get back behind the boards. I know you're a busy man. We, we need more C-Web beats. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Man, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank, thank, you, hey, thank you, everybody, for listening, man. Leave that five-star review on Apple, on iTunes, all, all the places you get this, this fine podcast, and we will be with you next week. 